Well, then we're going to sing us some Jamaican songs. But if we sing them, you got to get out of those seats and you got to... Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. As we prepare our hearts and our minds for our worship on this evening, I pray that everybody is doing well. We're going to have just some worship music playing in the background for a minute as we begin our Bible study on this, any, on this evening. If you can do me a favor, go ahead and share this on your page. Share this with somebody as we begin our worship on this evening. I just it's just an awesome day and an awesome time to be in the presence of the Lord. I know that uh that we got good news today in the in, in with the uh with being able to uh end the shelter in place. Um so we're still going to just obey the laws of the land and begin to do what God has called us to do. Amen. And as we get ready to go before the Lord in prayer on this evening, make sure you grab your Bibles, grab hold of somebody that's next to you. Share this on your page. Share this with somebody as we prepare our hearts and minds for this evening. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your Holy Ghost. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your wisdom, oh God. We thank you for this opportunity to be before one another, God, in all adoration and all honor in preparation just to hear from you, oh God. We thank you, God, for bringing us through danger seen and unseen on this evening. We know many may have had tests today and trials, but you are a God who said you'll never leave us nor forsake us. God, your word declares for us to study to show thyselves approved of workmen who need not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of God. So God, on this evening, like never before, be in the midst of each home, be in the midst of each person. Allow your Holy Spirit to minister this evening. I do not do this for form, fashion, or show, but I do do this as unto the Lord. So God, hide me behind your cross right now. So that the people will see none of me, but they see all of thee. Let deliverance take place. Let freedom ring. Let the opportunity just to draw closer to you be present like never before right now. Your word declares that whom the sun sets free is truly free indeed. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So God, we gather together in each one of our own personal sanctuaries, in each one of our personal homes. Whether the person is riding in the car, listening, whether the person is sitting with family, listening, God, we ask right now that your Holy Spirit minister to each and every individual. God, cause healing, cause deliverance, cause revelation in their life. Let this word be profound, but also let it be as simple that a child may understand it. God, I thank you right now for all that you're going to do, all that you're doing, 
and all that you have done in our lives. So God, we just honor you and worship you right now. It is in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. If you lift up your Bibles real quick, we're going to jump right into some word. Lift up your Bibles and repeat after me. Lord, I thank you that I have a Bible. It is my personal copy of God's purpose, God's plan, and God's design for my life. Therefore, I am a believer and not a doubter. I'm not just a hearer, but I'm also a doer. And my life has been better after hearing the word of the living God. Therefore, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will not be distracted, but I will hear from thus saith the Lord. And as a result of what I hear today, I'm going to leave here better than I came. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise wherever you're at. So I want to jump right into some word on this evening. Last week we were in a series. We began talking about Jeremiah and we began dealing with uh, how God, how you see each other and how we see one another. So this week I want to take that a little bit further and deal with this topic from wannabe to reality. From wannabe to reality. Um, this, this mindset and this understanding, like I said last week when we dealt with Jeremiah, we understood how God uh, dealt with Jeremiah in the beginning of the chapter where he said, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. I consecrated you. I sanctified you. I called you a prophet to the nations. And because he called us to a pro he called Jeremiah to a prophet to the nations, we can get a blueprint of what God is calling us to in the world. Amen. So if we understand that and we believe that and we realize what God is calling us into and how he is calling us out of darkness and into uh, God's marvelous light, we have to get some principles and some understanding of going from wannabe to reality. Wannabe. I was thinking about this as I was preparing for Bible study this evening. Wannabe. I remember when I was 20 years old and my physique at 20 years old and, and how physically fit I was then. And at 43, I'm not the same person that I was when I was 20. And sometimes it gets in my mind and it gets into my heart that I want to be what I used to be. I want to be how I, how I used to live. I wanted to experience things the way that I used to experience. And I know I can't experience things like that. It's so much so that even in the kingdom of God, we deal with situations like this. You're in the kingdom of God. You're, you're, you're giving your life to Christ. We're trying to become a good Christian. We're trying to continue and walk this narrow road. But sometimes in our mind, we go back to a place of who we used to be. And we want to experience some past things that we experienced. And so now when we're understanding that and we're dealing with that, we have to get to a place where we're understanding that God is constantly trying to finish us. I know in our, in our foundation of scripture, it says this, he who has begun a good work in us shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So he's always constantly dealing with us, transforming us, renewing our mind as Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech thee, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your body as a living sacrifice, acceptable and holy, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
So renewing of that mind is part of the process of becoming finished, becoming a completed work in God, becoming a completed uh, a person that understands God's plan and God's purpose for our life. So this evening, I want us to deal with some scripture on this evening because in God's eyes, there are no wannabes. In God's eyes, he has already done everything possible and made it possible for us to be like him and become what he has already ordained. So we're going to look at scripture on this evening and we're going to start with 1 John looking at the third chapter, the first through the third verse. 1 John, the third chapter, looking at the first through the third verse. And we're going to read it from the New American Standard Bible, and it should be on your screen right now. And if you have it, say amen. If you don't have it, I'll give you a second before I start reading it. Um, and First John is not one of the Gospels. Is uh, I know there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but First John is not one of the Gospels. If you turn towards the end of the New Testament, you'll find three letters from John, and, and we're dealing with the first one. I just want to make sure you're in the right place, because once I start reading Scripture, I don't want you to be like, Pastor, where are you coming from? And I don't see this. But First John, uh, the third chapter in the first through the third verse says this. It says, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we will be called children of God and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as Jesus, as he is. And verse number three says this, and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure, just as he is pure. So we're going from a place once again, from wannabe to reality. See, those who have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior are called to be like him. And we're going to deal with what that means to be called and be just like Jesus. I know that we always seen it and we've seen the statements that said, WWJD, what would Jesus do? That's been out for about 25 years. I'm not going to date myself, but it's been out for a very long time. And in the process of understanding what do we do to be like Jesus and beginning to take the nature of him, we have to understand what is the nature of Christ. I know we, 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 we go through the mindset of Christ was humble, Christ was holy, Christ was all of these things, but how can we exemplify in our life the nature and the embodiment of who Christ was. I know a lot of times when we deal with situations and we deal with problems, a lot of times we don't want to act like Christ acted. We don't want to be what Christ was in the earth. Our physical man and our physical nature and our emotional man wants to handle situations the way that we've we, the way that we've been trained to. And how were we trained? We were trained from life experiences. We were trained from hurt. We were trained from different situations that have gone on that have established a certain mindset for each and every last one of us of how we deal with things. And a lot of times that's not rooted and grounded in the way that Christ acts. And, and what Christ did, or how to be like him. But what does it mean to be like 
Christ. I'm glad you all asked this evening. Well, the first thing it means to be like Christ is simply this. Those who have received Jesus Christ as Savior are called to be like him. And the first thing that we deal with, we are to take on his nature. We learn his ways, then we practice them. So we don't just read a scripture in the Bible. We find ways in our life to make those scriptures practical. We find ways in our life, in our everyday experiences, to live what we read the day before or the night before or what we heard in Sunday service or what we're learning tonight in Bible study. We learn how to take on his nature. Yes, his nature was holy. Yes, his nature was humble. But Jesus also came with a purpose and a plan. And if he came with a purpose and a plan, we can no longer sit around saying, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I don't know who I'm going to be with my life. I don't know where my life path is headed. Because now we have to identify whose we are whose we are, and what his purpose is in the earth. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He came to teach us that no greater love that, he, that a man give than to lay down his life for his friend. He came to teach us to be kind, to be gentle, to operate in love and compassion for our fellow person, not to always count judgment or take judgment over every last person. Jesus came that we can see life from a godly perspective from a godly image, from a godly understanding. So now we have to begin to practice that same nature every day when we walk out the door. That doesn't mean that you're not going to have bad days. It does not mean that you're not going to have days where you're like, God, I just don't want to get out the bed. I don't want to deal with them. But we have to get up and we have to continue to walk because if Christ is holy, he said, if I am holy, be ye holy. So now we have to understand and identify and continue to operate in what he said. Somebody say, I got to practice his nature. So secondly, we got to understand this simple thing. Not only do we have to take on his nature, we have to take on his words. That means we got to change some ways we talk. We got to change some ways we act. That means we got we to gotta bridle our tongue. We got. I know the Bible says that life and death lies in the power of the tongue. I know that the power, the, the tongue has the power, it's like a two-edged sword. It has the power to kill, it has the power to lift up. I know that the Bible says out of the, out of the mouth flows the issues of the heart. So if we have to take on his words, that means we have to recondition our heart. That means we have to let go of some things out of our heart and out of our mind so that we can take on the words of Christ. We can identify what Christ has, uh, has mandated for our life. We have to know how to be silent in the midst of the fight. We got to know how to be silent in the midst of adversity and not just say the first thing that comes to our mind. We have to be humble. We have to mature ourselves. And I know a lot of times we like, Pastor, I can't do that. You might be able to do that, but you don't get it who I deal with. You don't know who, you don't know that demon that's sitting in my house when I get home. 
You don't know that person that's working next to me in the other cubicle. You don't know how I got to go in there day after day and, and, and try to uh, like this person and try to accept this person. And sometimes I just don't want to speak to this person. I don't even want to look at that person. Well, my answer to this is how many times have you be presented yourself before God in that same way? How many times have you been before God and, and, and you're like, and you're not in your best day. And while God is looking at your life and he's looking at who you are, what if God said, I can't deal with you today? What if God said that mouth you got right there? I don't want to deal with it. That, that the action that you got right there, I don't want to deal with it. What if God told us these things out of his mouth about us? How would we respond? God, forgive me. I'm sorry. I repent. I give myself back to you. But if we can get into a nature where we're constantly feeding ourselves the word of God, then we begin to change our language to match what the language of God is. Amen. We begin to change our language to identify just what God is saying about us. And not only that, so first we take on his nature. Second, we take on his word. Thirdly, we have to take on his power. Power from on high. That means we have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to be our guide. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to conduct and help us conduct ourselves in, in the way that we should go. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to bridle us, to be our comforter, to be our guide, to be our friend, to be our advocate for us. Some battles we just not going to be able to fight. What does scripture say in Ephesians? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. So sometimes the words that you say out of your mouth and the nature that you're automatically carrying on does not allow the power of God to work in your life. You begin to destroy your witness because you've allowed your flesh to raise up and have dominion and authority over when you're supposed to have dominion and authority over your flesh. So now if my flesh is operating and leading my life, how can I allow the power of God to work in my life? If my flesh is constantly being that thing that's directing me, that's causing me to go over here in sin, that's causing me to go over here in sin, that's causing me to talk this way, that's causing my nature to be a certain way, how am I saying that I'm a child of God? Because I, when becoming a child of God means I gave myself over to the will, the purpose, and the plan of God for my life. I gave myself over to be finished by him. I said to God, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm not capable of directing my own life. But a lot of times we give God that, that confession at the cross when we're hurt, when we're broken, where we're in an emotional place, where our spirit is hurt. But as soon as we get restored, we say, okay, God, I'm going to take that back. We say, God, I'm going to take back the control and I'll be back to you when I need you. Instead of saying, God, here I am, I may not do it right all the time, but here I am, God. I may not like what you say in your word about how my response should be, but I'm going to obey your word. Why? Because your power is greater than anything I possess on the inside of me. 
So not only that, we take on his nature, we take on his words, we take on his power, but then we have to do this. We have to purify ourselves. We have to get our minds right, our spirits right. I told you Romans 12, uh, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, IBCC, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your body as a living sacrifice. In order to be a sacrifice, that means I have to be pure here. Nobody wants a dirty sacrifice. So when I give my life to Christ, the Bible says that I am then made new. So now if he made me new, then I should be able to to present myself each day in a way that's pleasing to God. Are we presenting ourselves each day in a way that's pleasing to God? Because we're no longer bound by chains and shackles. If you said I'm free, then you're free. The Bible said whom the son sets free is free indeed. I love that scripture. And the spirit of the Lord, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That's the foundation of our church. So if I'm accepting liberty, that means I'm no longer bound by filth. I'm no longer bound by my language. I'm no longer bound by my old nature. When I am set free, I am rid of all of those things that made me a wretch before. And so now I have to identify this. I have to bring myself into a place where I'm purifying myself constantly. It's just like taking a bath. Every day or every night you should be taking a bath. I'm not going to be funny. I know we're in a pandemic and a lot of people at home, so some showers might be missed. Some stuff might be missed. But (laughs) what I'm saying is every day you take a bath because you want to get the day's funk, sweat, dirt off of your body. A lot of times if you lay down in the bed and you have not showered or bathed, you can't really fall asleep because it makes you feel a certain way. You don't feel clean. And it's the same way spiritually. The sins that we've committed for that day, whether it be sins of admission and sins of omission, if we're not constantly going to the throne saying, God, forgive me. God, I repent of my sins. We're allowing the same mess to remain on us. We're allowing the same sin to continuously build up. We're beginning to clothe ourselves in sin once again. And then we wonder why, how when we wake up, our spirit is vexed. We leave certain things on our TV overnight. We leave certain things playing in our house overnight. We don't get into a worship time, a prayer time, a time of fasting, a time of just consecrating ourselves. And then we wonder why we are in a wannabe state and our reality reflects what we're not doing. Our reality reflects the things that we have allowed back into our system. If I want to lose weight, I can't allow sugars into my system. I can't eat cake after cake after cake and then don't exercise and don't work out and don't do things to make sure I'm burning calories. Because I keep eating cake and cake and cake, I'm going to put on pounds and my health is going to go down. But we, be, when I begin to put on a diet, I begin to reverse the effects of what I've already done. Spiritually, I've put so much 
filth and mess and sin all around me. The Bible says we were born into sin, shaped into iniquity, and I begin to put so much sin around me that now, uh, once I give my life to Christ, I be first. He 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 takes the old man, buries the old man, resurrects a new man, and then he gives me the opportunity to start a proper diet. But my diet does not always match what I'm asking God to do for me. God, I want to be the head and not the tail. God, I want to be above and not beneath. God, I want to be the lender and not the borrower. God, I want to be virtuous. God, I want to be holy. God, I want to be righteous. And that's on Sunday. But Monday night, we somewhere else. When we leave church, the first thing that we turn on is our trap music. We, we, we get to a place where we're, we, we know church lingo, but freedom does not rely and abide by simply on Sunday in church. We got to begin to do some things Sunday after church until Sunday morning when we get back to church. We have to begin to change our life from the wannabe mindset. I want to be saved. But I'm here to declare right now that I want you to say, I don't want to be saved, but say I am saved because I'm changing from a wannabe's place to what I'm calling into existence. Speak those things that are not as though they were. So I'm going from this wannabe mindset to what I want my reality to be. And I'm calling my reality that thing right now. If life and death lies in the power of the tongue, I am beginning to speak my reality right now. If whatever it is that I want and I'm expecting God to do, I got to begin to write. The Bible says in the back of two and three, write the vision and make it plain. Though the vision may tarry, it shall come to pass. So now if I'm asking God's provisions, God's plan and God's will to come to pass, I need to write some things down about what I need to change about my life. And now not only do I'm writing it down, but I'm beginning to speak that thing. Faith is the substance of things hopeful and the evidence of things not seen. By faith, the worlds were formed. So if by faith, I'm opening up my mouth and saying, God, I'm coming out of this situation. I'm not staying in this situation. I'm not just going to say, God, I want to be somewhere else. God, I want to go on vacation. God, I want a new job. God, I want a new place. God, I need better marriage. God, I need a better relationship. God, I need more provisions. I'm going from a wannabe status to now saying, God, my marriage is better. God, my relationship is better. God, my provisions are better. God, I'm going to be a better steward over my finances so my finances can be better. God, I'm I'm going to give more in the house of God. God, I'm going to begin to operate in my gift. God, I'm not going from wannabe places. I'm speaking my reality. My reality that right now I'm, I'm in a place where I got to begin to glorify God for who he is and for what I know he's capable of doing. So now we, we, we got to this thing of understanding what it means to be like Christ. When Jesus was on the cross, he hadn't even taken his last breath, but his last word was what? It is finished. He spoke that thing into existence before he even came out of the grave. He already knew what was going to take place and he spoke. It was finished. What was finished? I've already defeated Satan. I've already defeated the grave. I've already defeated hell. I've already taken the keys back. 
but you're still on the cross. I already, I'm speaking what I'm getting ready to do. Why? Because he, because of the power that operated in him, the Holy Spirit. We're getting closer to Pentecost Sunday, but it's not this week. It's, it's May 31st, so we're going to shout and, and praise at the end of the month. But I'm trying to tell you that we have to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. But how do we tap? We open our mouth and begin to glorify God. We open our mouth and begin to speak his word. We take on his nature and we purify ourselves. Not only that, now I need us to look at Ephesians 5 verses 26 and 27. How do we purify ourselves? I want to make this so that you can see this. We purify ourselves. Ephesians 5 and 26 and 27 says this. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. Verse number 27. That he might present to who? Himself. The church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Who is the church? We are the church. I, I, I need you to hear this again. So that he might sanctify her. Who is he? Jesus. How did he sanctify? Because he died. When he died, having her cleansed by the washing of the water with the word of God. I'm going to do a little wordplay. How did he wash of the water with the word? Because in John 1 and 1, the Bible says what? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So who is God? Jesus is God. So now he cleansed the church by the washing of the water, which is what? Water is synonymous with the Holy Spirit. Get that? So he washed the church by the washing of the Holy Spirit with his own word. He might sanctify us, having cleansed her by the washing of the Holy Spirit with his own word, with his own life. Ah, somebody, somebody missing that right there. So that he might present back to himself. He did the work just so that he could say, now you come back to me. The church present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle. So that eliminates that statement that we always like to use. God know my heart. I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm a wretch undone. No, you were a sinner. But you were saved by grace. You were a sinner. But if you are the church, now, 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 now get this. If you are the church, Jesus has washed you. He's washed you with his spirit. He's washed you with his own word. So now that he has washed you, now you can return back to him blameless with no spot or wrinkle. Or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So now he can go to the father and say, you know what? I died. My, the, the spirit has already cleansed them and I've already given my life for them. I've already spoken a word over their life. So now I'm returning them back to you, father. I'm returning them back to us. I did the work for them. They was not capable of doing the work. 
I did the work for them so that they can get back to us and get back to right relationship. But how do we purify ourselves? What do we purify ourselves from? Well, first and foremost, we purify ourselves from this. This is easy. Sin. Everybody understands that. Not just unfavorable sin, but sin. That doesn't mean that you can commit adultery. You, you, you won't commit adultery, but you'll lie. You, you won't steal, but you'll gossip. You won't murder, but you'll backbite. Because what? Because those last three are sins that, that we have found acceptable in society. But no, we have to purify ourselves from sin. We talked about scripture last week. We talked about the Colossians scripture. We talked about, uh, 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 we talked about the fruits of the spirit when we talked about it. Put away all forms of anger, malice, rage, anger, uh, gossiping, backbiting. Um, we talked about those things. So those are categories of sin. We talked about sexual sin. We talked about mor moral sins. And so we have to be willing to say, God, you know what? I, I, I'm, I, these are the things that I struggle with. Because a lot of times we'll bring to God the things that we don't struggle with or the things that we really don't have an issue with, but we'll put those sins that we enjoy. God, you, you don't see that, God. You, you don't see that, God. I'm, I, I, I'm going to hold that one back there for, for a couple of more years, God. You know my heart. And God is saying, when are you going to be willing to allow my power to work in your life? So we purify ourselves from sin. Mm. Somebody say sin. Next, we purify ourselves from unhealthy relationships. Mm -mm -mm. I could preach about that all by itself right there. Too many times do we believe that unhealthy relationships are only those relationships that we're in with a significant other. Unhealthy relationships is just not exclusive to the people that we're in a, 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 a significant other type relationship. Unhealthy relationships can start with family members. The, the verbal abuse. Unhealthy relationships can be those people that we put ourselves around that causes us to act a certain way when we're trying to change our behavior. Unhealthy relationships can even be down to what we're eating and how we indulge in comfort food. That can be an unhealthy relationship. The way we drink can be an unhealthy relationship because you have confided in this entity to bring you solace and, and confidence or, or, or uh, 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 to be allowed it to be something that you've relied on for peace and now it's become an unhealthy relationship. You'll rely on that more than you will praying to God. You'll rely on calling that girlfriend you know that's going to feed every negative nature in your life. And tell you to do all manners of evil before you, before you even think about getting down on your knees. And what you'll do is you'll go listen to them. And then when their plan fails or when it does not make you feel good, you done keyed up his car. <laughs> 
you done went and 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 talked to her girl and and now you're at a place where you're like I still don't feel good that's because you've allowed an unhealthy relationship to have reign over your life so we got to put away from unhealthy relationships what else do we have to do this is a big one and I need everybody to look at themselves and say this and look at this you have to purify yourselves from unhealthy self-image. We, we constantly look at the media for how we should look in the world. For how we should look and, and what our self-esteem should look like and what our self-image should look like. We constantly stay in the media and attracting ourselves to things that we see on videos, things that we see on movies, things that we hear on the radio. I got to be this. I got to be that. Because you have adopted what the world says you should look like. You know that it makes you uncomfortable to wear certain kind of clothes, but because society accepts that and society promotes that you will wear it and know you don't feel good on the inside knowing that that's not how you want to look knowing that that's not the image you want to portray knowing that this is not what you want to do and you and you'll constantly forget that God said that he created you fearfully and wonderfully he created you in his image and in his likeness so instead of you un, instead of you believing that you look like the image of God that God wanted you to be Yes, we can all use self-improvement. Everybody here can see something. But you have to believe on the inside of you that you're not uh, that you that you look like the image of God. So if your filthy language does not match the image of God, what should you get rid of? If your filthy behavior does not match what the image of God looks like, what should you be trying to get rid of? Unhealthy self-image causes us to continue to fall in detriment. It continues to help us uh, uh, rely on uh, what the world says about us and not rely on what God says. Somebody say, I got to get rid of my unhealthy self-image. Our next thing, purifying ourselves means we have to get away from the desire and the temptation to underachieve. Well, what does that have to do with purifying ourselves? God created you in his image and in his likeness. God created you for good works, but you won't step out and be what God said for you to be. God said that you were the head and not the tail, but you constantly put yourself in a position that you're under the table receiving the scraps because you believe that you're not worthy for God's grace and God's mercy and God's blessing. So you constantly put yourself error on the side of if I underachieve, nobody expects anything from me. If I underachieve, I don't have to worry about failing at something. If I underachieve, that means I fly under the radar, nobody bothers me, nobody says anything to me, nobody expects anything from me, and I just coast along on life, living the best life that I think for underachiever. When I know that I'm capable of better, somebody say I'm capable of better. And because you're capable of better, it should constantly vex your spirit that you're being an underachiever. 
that you're not operating to your best of your abilities. You're, you're seeing people advance because you have succumbed to that temptation. You see people move ahead because you have succumbed to the temptation of saying, I ain't got to do it. I'm okay. I'm fine right here. I don't need anything else. I, this is all that I want for my life. God has called you to step out and speak on his behalf. Well, God, I'm scared to talk. But God is, he is continuously boiling up a word on the inside of you. And you're like, God, nah, these people are not going to hear me. What we say last week when we talked about Jeremiah. But God, I'm a teen and I can't speak. And what did God say? God said, no, I knew you. I created you. I know what I created for you. How are you going to tell me what you're capable of doing? God, why did you pick me to do this? You know I'm not qualified. I didn't call you qualified. I created you qualified. Somebody missed that. I didn't call you to say that you had to go to this class, this class, and that class, but I qualified you by my blood. I qualified you by my spirit. When I created you, your DNA makeup said that you would be what I wanted you to be. But you have succumbed to what the world told you that the image of who I wanted you to be should look like. God, I'm not a good, I don't dress like those preachers. I didn't say you was going to dress like those preachers, but I've told you to preach my word. God, I don't, I don't, I can't shout like those. I can't dance like those. I didn't cause you to, I didn't call you to know how to praise dance that way. What I called you to do is what you're doing right here, but you keep hiding it in the dark and you won't bring it to light so I can magnify it and so that I can bring awareness and understanding to it and I can bring glory to my my name from it but God but God God said no I didn't say you had a butt in this <laughs> God didn't say you had a choice in this yes we have free will and we have the opportunity but it's going to press on your heart so much that it's going to continue to be a thing that when you get older in age the first thing you're going to say I would have I should have and I didn't I had dreams to do this. God knew what I wanted to do. God knew my heart. God knew how I should be. So now we have to get past, purify ourselves from the temptation to underachieve, the temptation of sin, unhealthy relationships, unhealthy self-image. Because God has given us the power to become. We're going from wannabe to our reality. So it's not about what you used to think or what you thought you should be, but now we're going to become what God wants us to be. If you open up your Bibles, now we're going to go to the book of John. That's the gospel of John. That's in the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And the Bible says this, he came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as what? received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, and who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but God. I'm going to repeat that. I, I, I got to keep repeating it because I need you to hear. Who were, he came to his own and those who were his own did not 
receive it. We know that Jesus was talking, that the scripture John was talking about, that Jesus went back to Galilee. He went back to the Jews and they did not receive him. They didn't receive the word. They didn't want to believe that he was the son of God. They didn't want to believe that he, that he had authority and power. They did everything all the way up to killing him to say that he was not the son of God. But we know that he did not come to his own. He did, they did not receive him. So now the gospel was open up to who? The Gentile. It was open up to everybody else out of those that were chosen by God to be God's people. Now it was open up to the Gentile. It wasn't just open up to the Gentile, but he said as many as receive him. As many as accept him as their Lord and Savior, to them he gave them to write to become children of God. And if I'm a child of God, I have authority. He said, I'm an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. He said, I'm adopted in the beloved. And because you're adopted, when it, adoption and being a foster child are two different things. Adopted and just living in a house with a family are two different things. Once you're adopted by the beloved, once you're adopted by God, you not only live in the mansion, you have power and authority in the mansion. You have power and dominion in the earth. You have power and dominion when it comes to speaking the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And at the name of Jesus, every tongue shall confess. At the name of Jesus, the Bible, Jesus said that when I go, you'll be able to do greater works than I did because I've gone. This is what Jesus said to the apostles. So if they became children of God and you become a child of God, then what? You'll be able to do greater works than what Jesus Jesus did, that means you'll be able to declare healing. That means you'll be able to speak the word of God. That means you'll be able to speak into the atmosphere. That means you'll have dominion over things, over the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, every creepy thing that crawleth upon the earth. You will have dominion over these things. And we have to get out of the mindset once again that we're walking around here with shackles. We got to get out of the mindset that we're tied behind our hands. We got to get out of the mindset of this denominational understanding of the word of God and get to a place where we're living the word of God for what the word of God is. Too many times we're bound by the laws and the, and the precepts of somebody who created a denomination. Where am I going at with this tonight? That we're sitting there being bound by something that God never called us to be bound by. The Bible said, be ye equal, be yoked with Jesus. So the way Jesus walked is the way that I walked. Why is it that we would rather be yoked with, uh, with some of these old traditions that were not based upon God, but based upon men and their beliefs and their understanding or what they felt like was the proper rule and direction instead of abiding by what the word of God says. I'm going from wannabe to reality. My reality is that I want to look like the image of God. My reality is that I want to be like Jesus in the earth. I may fall short every day, but when I wake up the next morning, my first declaration is, Lord, make me more like you. Lord, I want to look like you. Lord, I want to talk like you. Lord, I want to be like you. Lord, I want to I, I, I deal with people the way you did. 
Yes, there are different branches to the tree. I don't know why I'm sitting on this for a second. There are different branches to the tree, but if they're all connected to the same root, just because your branch got a different view of the sun than my branch got a different view of the sun doesn't mean that I operate or teach something different than what the root said. Jesus, I'm, 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 I'm trying to push on with this. God has given us the power to become. As sons of God, we have a God-ordained design. As sons and daughters of God, let me both let me say both. We have a God-ordained design. His will is that participating, his will should be that participation and that process of becoming more like him. That is a truly a process that we have to grab hold of and embrace. Okay. Unfortunately, the process sidetracks many believers though. Yeah, Lord, I'm tired. Lord, I'm weary. Lord, I don't know how you did it. I, I want to be like you, but I don't know how you did it. So how does this process get sidetracked and why? Well, first and foremost, this process gets sidetracked uh, by certain roadblocks that we have endured along the way of our journey. Everybody has dealt with roadblocks. What are some of the roadblocks that we deal with? Well, first, lack of focus. Our lack of focus. We come to the cross, we give our life to Christ, but our lack of continued focus is great for the first six months, but when we don't get that mansion, our focus starts turning away. When we don't get that new car that that $100 seed that you sold in that line over there does not produce, our focus gets off from God. When we don't, when, when we constantly are praying for God's, we, we want increase. We want more and more. And God is constantly saying, well, I can't give you increase until you learn stewardship. I can't bless you with more until you learn how to manage what you have. I can't allow you to, to move forward because the lessons that I'm trying to teach, you keep failing at. And so you're going in a continuous circle. So the more you go in a circle, the more you blame God. And then your lack of focus of God turns away. So now we have to deal with a lack of focus because the process takes sidetracks because we lose focus. What's number two? Number two is we fear. We, we operate in a spirit of fear. We're, we're fearful of really reaching out to God because we don't, we, we're, a lot of times we'll say stuff out of our mouth that we don't believe. We'll say, we, we'll, we'll say all the greatest cliches, but a lot of times we operate in fear. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Fear. Everybody has gone through a fearful experience, but when you allow the spirit of fear to direct your life, you're not allowing the this power of God and his Holy Spirit to direct your life. God, I'm fearful of stepping out. God, I'm fearful of going back to school. God, I'm fearful of doing this. God, I'm fearful because this, this lifestyle has provided all this for me. And if I walk away from this lifestyle, God, to serve you, what am I going to do? 
We operate in fear. God, if I don't stay here with him, uh, then my life won't ever be better. God, if I, if, if, if I, don't, if I leave her, then, then what am I going to do? I'm going to be less than a man. People are going to laugh at me. People are going to ridicule me. People are going to say all types of stuff because I left. People are going to say all types of stuff whether you stay. Because to be honest with you, a lot of more people on the outside see what you're going through and dealing with on the inside and wish you would step out but see you operating in fear. Somebody say, I got to get rid of fear. I got to get rid of lack of focus. I got to get rid of fear. Number three, I, because I refuse to obey God's word. I refuse. A lot of us get sidetracked simply because we refuse to obey his word and his principle. God, I hear what you said, but I can't do that right now, God. God said submit. God said turn up, turn, turn down that plate. God, you don't know. I... I want a steak tonight. I ask you to turn down your plate. God, you, you, you don't understand. I'm, I'm, they, they need me here. I ask you to stay home tonight. But, but no, God, they need me here. I'm, 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 and, and this even goes in ministry. A lot of times people just think that these are the outside sins. I need you to be home with your kids tonight. But God, I got to be at church. I need you to stay home and, 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 and build your relationship back up with your spouse. But God, they called me over here. But no, I called you and told you to be here. Refusal, refusal to obey. God, but, but I'm, in, I'm here doing this every day, God. Why am I not being blessed? Because I told you obedience is better than sacrifice. You sacrificed the relationship with your kids because you wanted to be seen over here. What is your motive? We talked about that last week. What is your motive? To be seen? No, but God, I'm, I'm doing it for you. No, I told you to be here because I needed you to be here because you don't know what's getting ready to happen with your kids and you don't know the situation and the hell that they're about to go through, but you're over here. And I said for you to be here. I told you obedience. But you said, no, God, I'm going I'm to I'm do this, God. And the first thing that we'll, God tell us to stay home with our kids, the first thing we say, instead of being somewhere over here doing this, and, and the first thing we say, oh, that must be the devil, the devil tempting, the devil don't want me to be here, the devil don't want me to do this. No, God said, be here. If you're listening to the voice of God and understand the voice of God because you've read your word, because you're in a, a right relationship with him, because you're not lacking focus, because you're not fearful, then you see the manifestations of what God can do in your life. So not only that, the, 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 the sidetrack, uh, 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 we get sidetracked by this because of hard places and challenges in our life. This must not be God. God, I, I, I'm tired of being beat. I'm tired of being hurt. I'm tired of going through this challenge. I'm tired of going through that challenge, God. I'm tired. I, you just don't understand, God. I just, I, I can't do this no more. And God said, but I did it on my way to the cross for you. When I got tired, when I, every nail, that, every lash that I took on my back, you don't think that hurt me? You don't think that I was tired and I just, the Bible says when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, what did he say? Father, if, if it be, please take this cup from me. He hadn't even started going through the abusive part. 
He was in the garden. He knew what was coming. And he said, Father, take this cup from me. But if it be your will, I'll do it. I'll go through the hard places. I'll go through the challenges. I'll be beat. I'll have a crown of thorns shoved on my head. I'll be spit on. I'll be lied about. I'll be talked about. I'll be left by myself. But if it be your will, God, that's what I'll do. When are we ready to say, instead of thinking the hard places are not things that God is walking with us, when are we going to say, God, if it be your will, I'll go through. Sometimes we got to go through to get rid of some things out of our life that God is trying, that he's taking us through hard places to get rid of some things. The Bible says that weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. That means I was in some dark places that I had to cry. That was in some dark places where I had to get down on my face and I had to submit to God. I had to face some battles. I had to fight some demons. I had to think back over my life and look at what I've experienced and deal with those challenges and those demons and deal with those situations because coming through the hard place gave me an understanding of just what my purpose was. So I got to come. I can't let the hard places and the challenges sidetrack me. This is a big one right here. Impatience. Impatience causes us to be sidetracked. God, you see, I've been doing this for 2.3 weeks. I've been praying for 2.3 weeks, God, and I ain't seen a manifestation of a million dollars in my account yet. God, I ain't seen, God, this thing don't work. This, this, this relationship, this Christianity thing don't work. I've been praying all of 20 minutes, and it don't work. I'm, I'm impatient, God. You know what I need. God said he knows your heart's desire. He said he'll give you your heart's desires. That don't mean I need an MKL tonight, but I can go out here and get me a Nissan Sentra and it get me from point A to point B. Impatience. The last one, your, the process gets sidetracked because you're constantly in comparison with somebody else. Somebody else's blessing, somebody else's favor. You don't know the journey they had to walk. You don't know the, the times they've been nailed to a cross. You don't know what they've been through. All you know is what you see where they're at right now. You don't know how many times they fail. You don't know if they on their 120th time uh, uh, after they done lost everything. And God is just simply blessing them at this place because they've been faithful and consistent. They have been in a different place than where you you are and you're constantly comparing your blessings or your lack of what you believe to be a blessing because a blessing is nothing more more than what you already currently have that's a blessing so if god gave you a dollar more than what you got in your bank account that's a blessing but god you didn't let me hit the number well you wasn't supposed to be playing the number in the first place So we got to get out of comparison because comparison, get this, fuels wannabeism. Comparing yourself to somebody else fuels this wannabeism mentality. Yeah, God, I see them over there. They got, 
uh, as a pastor, and, and all of us pastors want to see a nice flourishing ministry. You see other ministries. You see who's there. You see how anointed they preach. You see how anointed they teach. You see how many people flock to them. But if we get into a place of comparing what God has called us to do to what somebody else is doing, then we miss the mark and we lose focus and we then start to operate in wannabeism because we're focusing on somebody else's platform, the oil that's running from somebody else and not focusing on who God has given us to cover, who God has given us to, to, to pray over, to shepherd, and to do these things for because we're so focused on somebody else's shepherd and their sheep. And so we, we lose the focus and, and our oil is running, but our oil is being constantly looked over over here. Well, why his oil blue and mine red? And we got to get out of this place of comparing. I'm going to give you an example of, compare, uh, of, being in, of comparing some things and then we're going to get out of here for the night. John 21, 15 through... Uh, 23. John 21, 15 through 23 says this. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend to my lambs. He then said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He then said again, uh, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him that third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend to my sheep. Then he said, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wish. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hand and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. He then said, now this, he said, signifying but what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had not and when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Jesus told Peter to follow him. And then he said this, Peter turning around saw the disciples whom Jesus loved following them. Then one who also had leaned, then the one who had also leaned back on his bosom at supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? And uh, so Peter seeing him said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Oh, geez, I'm getting there for real. Therefore, this saying went out among the brethren that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but only if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? What was going on right here is that after Jesus had talked to Peter all these times, kept asking him the same question, do you love me? Peter said it over and over again, yes, I love you. But that's not even the major part about this. We know Peter loved him. We know Peter was the one that made the confession that said, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. We know Peter was also the one that when Jesus went to the cross, he denied, he denied him three times. But then he began, Jesus, uh, Peter was the one that was in the upper room. And when the Holy Spirit came down, we know the apostle Peter. He was the first one that they ever declared to be the Pope. But we know who Jesus was. 
But now we see an example of Jesus, I mean, of Peter in comparison that led to sort of a competition. Why? Because when Jesus said, follow me, Peter got up. And this was after Jesus had already been at the table and he had identified and said who would be the one that was going to betray him. So Peter already knew who that was going to be. He knew it was Judas uh, Issachar. He knew that. But because he had the knowledge of the one that would betray Jesus, when Jesus called his disciples and Peter saw that that one that was going to betray him got up to follow him, Peter had an issue. Peter said, hold up, Lord, no, 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 no. We following Jesus. You, why, why are you allowing him to come? And Jesus said, what is it to you if I tell him to walk with? He remains alive until I come. And the Bible says that the saying went out that the disciple would not die. But Jesus never said that. But because Peter's mind and the disciples' mind had begun to focus on comparison, they began to compete with who was going, who loved him the most and who should follow him the most. We get into this mindset of we need to know, if we know what everybody else is doing, we don't pay attention to our own race. Because we see, oh, that one over there, God, I seen that one on the block yesterday. How are you calling them into ministry today? I've been following you, God, for the last 35 years of my life. How are you going to allow that one that just walked in off the street to serve you and you're going to bless him with this, that, and the third? Jesus said, are you, why are you paying attention to him? Why are you comparing yourself to them when I called you into this thing and I have an assignment for you? I have a place for you. Their life is not your concern. What I called you to be and your relationship with me is your biggest concern. And too many times we want to watch everybody else's relationship instead of our own. I ain't even talking about sin. We want to watch their blessings. Oh, did you get on the phone? Did you see what they got? Did you did you peek that out? You, you see, yeah, they building a brand new this. They got a brand new house. They, they driving these cars. They driving that cars. And God is simply saying, stop paying attention to them. And if you focus on me and my will and my purpose for your life, you won't have time to focus on what they have over there. They not focused on you. So we, we, we got to let go of this comparison mentality. Because God never honors wannabeism. He honors becoming what he's called you to be. Becoming is based on reality. The reality of what? His word. The reality of what? His promise. The reality of what? And when we understand that, then we could get to understand the reality of God's word is what we need to rely on. What is the reality? It's simply this. God is in love with you. God is in love with you. Every flaw that you have, God is still in love with you. Everything that you think you're not, God is still in love with you. Everything that you ever desire to be, God is still in love with you. Every letdown that you've had, God is still in love with you. Not only is he in love with you, the reality is who God is in your life. 
He's your savior. He's, he's your redeemer. He created you in his image and image and in his likeness. Not only that, what God is the uh, the reality is what God is calling you to to do. What is God calling you to do? You've focused so much on what he's not calling you to do that you miss the mark of what he's calling you to do. Not only that, what and who God is calling you to be? What is he calling you to be? Who is he calling you to be? God, I'm, I, I, was, I was dissing in the streets, but I'm calling you back to evangelize to those same streets. What? Who? What and who is God calling you to be? We got to identify that and then embrace that. That's our reality. That the Lord is empowering you daily. Every morning you wake up with the opportunity to be life-changing. Life-building. You have the opportunity to walk in liberty. You have the opportunity to walk in freedom. Is liberty worth the fight? Is your, is your life and your peace, is your place in the kingdom worth the fight daily? Not only that, but this is my last point, and it's simply this. Now is the time to be it, to do it, and to become it. What are we doing? We are becoming. Because once you go back to this text that we started off with tonight, beloved, we are what? Children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we will be. But by the power of God, we know that when he appears, we will be like him because we see him just as he is. That's our reality, that we see him just as he is. Not anything else. When we begin to see God just as he is, we begin to move, operate, and come into alignment with what his will is, his purpose is, and his plan for our life. Bow your heads. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this time of studying. We thank you for this time of revelation, God. God, as whatever it's been in our life, God, that has caused us to stay in a wannabe mindset, God, we ask you right now to gather it up. We ask you, God, to bind it off of our hearts. And we ask you, God, to loose us from that spirit right now in the name of Jesus. God, I speak prophetically, God, that you have people that are ready to serve in your kingdom that are listening right now, God. That you have people that are set free right now by your word. That you have people that minds are being renewed right now for their passion for you, oh God. Their passion to serve you, their passion to be better Christians, their passion not to conform to what this worldly standard is in the name of Jesus. God, prophetically, I speak right now, God, that there are children that are being raised up right now under the fear and adoration of you, O oh God. That generational curses are being broken right now. That generational cycles are being broken right now.
that generational influences are being broken right now in the name of Jesus. God, that the babes of Christ are being are the ones that are beginning to hear the revelation of your word. God, that they're not bound by form, fashion, or show, God, but they're here to serve as unto the Lord. That it does not matter how their appearance looks, but God, they're here to sanctify and purify all that they come in contact with. That there is no games, there's no gimmicks, there's no, there's nothing, God, that is stopping them. They're not doing it, God, just for the accolade, God. They're not doing it just for the notoriety, but they're doing it as unto the Lord. They don't care about the appearance. They don't care about the four walls of the church, but they will speak your word in season and out of season, God, that they will stand boldly before the people, God, that they will that they will declare the work of the Lord and they will bring people together that says, what must they do to be saved? That their light cells shall shine, that men will see them and glorify the father that is within them, oh God. So, God, we thank you right now for all that you're doing, for the provisions that you're releasing, for the standard that you're raising up, oh God. God, continue to touch us and mold us and blend us and make us into your image and in your likeness, oh God. God, as we prepare for our hearts and minds for bed on this evening, God, we ask right now that you be a hedge of protection over each and every family, each and every home, each and every person that is represented on this stream tonight, God. We ask right now that angels go before them, God, and even as states and, and countries and, and our government releases the, uh, release us from sheltering in place, God, that you give us the wisdom to be safe, O oh God, that you give us the provisions to overcome this season in our life, God. Yes, we've been bound. Yes, we've been set apart. Yes, we've been uh, holding up in one place. But God, we thank you in advance for what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Now, God, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus', I, in Jesus name, I pray. Amen. Amen. This has been our midweek Bible study. We are in our time of, of finishing school. Um, if you want to go back and listen, you're free to, to, uh, to tune into our website or whatever, and you can find past uh, Bible studies or even past Sunday sermons. Our website is www.lccimd.org. Um, you can also find us on Facebook and you can listen to our past messages. If you have any questions concerning our Bible study, please feel free to email us, message us, wherever it may be at Pastor Thomas at LCCI, uh, lccionline.org. I love you with the love of God and as always live on purpose, live for purpose, but most importantly live in God's purpose and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We are Liberty Christian Church International and we live by the model, no games, no gimmicks, just Jesus. Be blessed. If you want to sow into us, please feel free to sow into us. I don't usually ask about that, but please feel free to sow into us. All proceeds go to uh, us continuing ministry and being able to reach out to the community. Um, right now, you see on the bottom of our screen our cash app tag. If you want to give online, you can go to our website and you can also text give at 202-599-2033. If you don't have a church home, we would love to get connected with you. We would love to be a part of your family and make you a part of our family. Uh, we love you with the love of Christ. And once again, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Be blessed and have a wonderful evening.